Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. It is better to think of the church in the alehouse than to think of the alehouse in the church. You're listening to the Go to Hell podcast, strong opinions weekly held about Christianity and the church. I'm your host, Tim Curley, along with my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. I just had a week off. I was in San Diego. It was phenomenal. I was just drinking lots of phenomenal beer out there. If any breweries in San Diego would like to sponsor this podcast, and when I say sponsor, society, yeah, society, <laughs> society, we're society, society. Uh, honestly, Coronado, Belgian Beaver, uh, Coronado. <laughs> Shout out to Todd Warshaw at Epic Brewing Company, Dallas Point, Ale Smith, Second Chance. If you want to hit us up, so that is your second uh, beer beer pilgrimage this year, correct? Second beer pilgrimage. We always make one up north. This is the first time that I've made a beer pilgrimage down south, and honestly, it's got to be a it's got to be a routine thing. And point. how many times you've been to the Holy Land? Oh man, I've been to the Holy Land five times. <laughs> Liar! Uh, it's five, right? I think. So uh, yeah, so beer beer pilgrimages we're all about, but uh, or beer hodges hodges is that yes. what this is hodges? Yeah. <laughs> to our Arab friends, our Muslim friends. Yes. Uh, so today, what are we drinking? Sin. from uh madera california which is up the road from us in about an hour uh they've got a place called riley's they've got a comet double hazy ipa it's pretty tasty honestly. pretty tasty um, it's a hazy though so for those of you that may not like a little bit of stone fruit flavor in your beer this may not be for you so um but it's pretty good so how are you doing tim doing pretty well trying to avoid the heat like the rest of the country oh my goodness dude what, we got up to like 111 on saturday over here we did spent i spent the entire weekend pretty much no no joke in the pool so my wife and i were in in the water all weekend so i was like i got in the pool like yeah if you guys because we're on a podcast you can't really see me but i'm as white as a ghost um (laughs) like uh casper really doesn't have anything on me um and we live in the central valley where a lot of people are actually exceptionally tan so they don't really understand um kind of the the times of day that you're accept that it's acceptable to go get in the water and not like turn out like a tomato at the end of the day so (laughs) i would spend the whole day in the pool except i would probably cry even with sunscreen involved so like i had to get in at four o'clock on sunday to dip your entire body in zinc yeah exactly (laughs) all right so what is our topic tonight uh tonight's topic is we are talking about we're continuing on with our series um which is Um, five top reasons why people are leaving the faith so far we've done um we started with uh what was our first week it was um oh god science church and the science oh that's right church Church and science Science. second week was violence in the violence in the bible and then this week we are doing unloving christians um fun unloving christians unloving christians that's what we're calling it all right, so before we get into the topic tonight, we're going to do a quick little disclaimer. Uh, and for those of you who are listening, you might 
not agree with what we're going to say might accuse us of still doing the thing that we say we're not doing. But the point of this exercise that we're engaged in, this podcast, is not to make the gospel more attractive to unbelievers or even Christians. Uh, we're not trying to change things that we think the world doesn't like in order to make it more attractive, more marketable. We're simply pointing out issues that we think have developed in the church, which is going to happen when you're the dominant institution in the Western world for two millennia, close to, pretty much full two millennia. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have some detritus and some bad ideas and some bad behavior and general, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, dysfunction set into your institutions and, and behaviors. So I think we're, we are arguing there needs to be a little bit of reset with the church and with Christians, but we're not we're not arguing that the church needs to make itself more marketable. At the end of the day, a lot of the reasons why Christianity is people are turning away from it is we are in a postmodern world. We're not in a modern world. We're not in an ancient world either. We're in a postmodern world. Uh, we live in a world where all kinds of crazy ideas are out there, and it's really easy for people to find basically new religions, because I do believe that everyone's got a religion, whether they believe it or not. <clears throat> For some people, it might be that they're a Democrat or a Republican or a conservative or a progressive or LBGT or I'm a, on the other side, I'm a Methodist, which isn't a religion or science or whatever. But everyone at the end of the day believes in something, and that takes on the form of religiosity. And so... Again, we're not here to change and make Christianity, quote-unquote, more marketable, attractive. Yeah, I mean, like, if we were, like, we would have brought up Songs of Solomon, like, three weeks ago. Oh, hell yeah. This. We're just like, sex sells, baby. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I was like... Hey, hey. Late Nights on Stars, Song of Solomon. Songs of Solomon. <laughs> that, and what was that star show that we were, that we missed on Trivia Night last night? Oh, uh... The pi- whatever the pirate show. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Blackbeard or something no, like that. I, oh, Black Sails? Black Sails, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've never seen that show, by the way. Yeah, we I don't have stars. Tri- <laughs> we missed it on <laughs> All right, so into the topic. All right, into the topic. So Unloving you- Christians. I have a quote for you to get us started. Oh, perfect. It's from Nietzsche. Who's Nietzsche? <laughs> Uh, 19th century, uh, was it 19th century uh, philosopher, uh, comedian? comedian. (laughs) It was pretty funny. (laughs) Thus spoke Verstusa. uh, uh, Basically, atheist, uh, but and didn't believe in God, and uh, talked about a post-Christian world, post. God world, uh, but if you've read him, and I have, of course, I can't remember when he was writing, but I have, <laughs> I have read him. It's okay. I uh, he was also actually, if you read him, a very good critic of the church. He was pointing out a lot of sins that the church was committing, and so one of his quotes was, in truth, there was only one Christian, and he died on the cross. Zing. have to go off of that's what i'm that's your that's your quote that you're giving well that's gonna get us started all right so we want to go through some examples of unloving christians 
Well, I think we need to first like establish the just kind of the topic at hand. So I'd say that the current idea right now is that people across the country, across the world, have come into contact with people that have that are associated with the church. They're associated with the church body. They can come from any, and for most people that are atheists or even people that are just starting out to go into the church um or they're agnostic they believe that something is out there they want to be a part of something these are people that are look actively seeking a religion or something of of the sort they go into these churches they go into these places and they immediately do not feel that these people are doing exactly what they say they're doing these people that are a part of these corporate church settings are standing around. They walk in there. They feel uncomfortable. They feel judged. They feel, um, you know, completely, what's the, outcast from everyone that's in the building. Um, and this could be for a couple of reasons, right? There's, there's the idea in psychology called the invisible audience where you think that people are judging you when you walk into, like, like a church building or something like you know like you feel like what the term is like you know you, you're sweating like a whore in church you know like the you're sitting there and you're just like sweating nobody's talking about you or anything like that but it just feels that way you feel like you're burning up on the inside you know yeah and like but that's not what we're talking about we're talking about people that where where they have come in contact with people of the faith and these people have not shown love to them these are people that have walked a, into a church building they have been they have tried or maybe they haven't even tried they've only observed that sometimes christians can be the biggest assholes on the planet and so is that really what we want is that is that how we're supposed to behave and so this is and that's our topic so i mean we have a couple of examples of people just being complete all right so that's the micro that's the micro problem before we jump into the micro problem, let's all, let's deal with the the big elephant in the room, which is the macro problem, which is the the church in general. I would say over the last, in particular, uh, let's say forty or fifty years, when the church was frankly starting to lose its grasp on culture, and then and I think started to react poorly, uh, right. publicly, and by that I'm talking about, in in particular the re- the religious right. And the movement that came out in the let's say late seventies, the eighties, and the nineties. Sure. So, and that is a movement that decided to link itself completely with politics, which is always a terrible idea. Bad idea for Christianity. It's a terrible idea. Christianity should always be the outside force, the counterculture force. It should, it does not work. I don't care if it's the Catholic Church in the 1400s or the Republican Party in the 80s and the 90s. It never works well for Christianity when it seems like it's putting its thumb on the political power in whatever country or setting that it's in. So, and out of that, we have, we have uh, the religious right, Republicans gain power. Uh, in in the '90s, but we have all these discussions about gay re- uh, gay marriage, abortion, all kinds of other topics that I think, frankly, get really poorly handled by public by 
by mainstream, very public, most public Christians, and it turns off a lot of people. Because these are, in particular, abortion. That's a delicate issue. You would agree? I would agree, yes. I, and, I, uh, and just to be no. clear, I'm, I am pro-life, and I think at the end of the day, the Bible says one man, one woman, but we've handled these things in a way where these are like original sins, and the Bible's really clear that there's only one, uh, one uh, not original sin, but uh, unforgivable sin, and those aren't two that are listed. So um, rat, we didn't handle those in very loving ways, and I think it turned a lot, a lot of people off when, and we should have held firm and said, this is what we believe in, but not been so caustic about how we handled it and communicated it. Right. I think, and I mean, like, if we want to go down this, I was like, we might have to go down this trail to begin with is, and, and I'm going to come out here. I mean, like I'm what, 27 years old. So, um, the, and I'm going to come out and say what, you know, may not be a hot topic for, or may not be beneficial for some people, but you've kind of already said it is that is that we should not be aligning our politics are never going to match up like and i feel like this is best represented when you know the pharisees try to catch jesus in a trap and they and they give him the coin uh and they ask and you know and they ask him that question and jesus is like about the taxes and he's like give to caesar what is caesar give to gods what is gods and so it's this whole political thing that we like to do a dance about and we like to, you know, put things in place for what's best or what's right for Christians is not necessarily biblically aligned, right? Like we've talked about it a couple of times and I don't know if we've said it on this podcast, but uh, the 1776 revolution is not biblically aligned. You know? Absolutely. Like, Manifest destiny is not biblically aligned. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, those aren't uh that those are not god's dreams for the world those are people's dreams for the world you know and so it and that's something to be said is that right now people have this idea they want this you know the united states to remain a christian country they want it to be because they saw that the forefathers or whatever had these had these founding ideas that were rooted in christianity and it was like sure that they're rooted there but it hasn't it hasn't grown there like you know uh we can hold on to it as much as we want to but ultimately why are we denying homosexuals their basic rights like why are we not allowing them to get married that's what they want to do or whatever i in accordance with what is in the constitution that doesn't even make sense right like if you actually looked at the constitution and you looked at the rights that are given to all people you would sit there and you'd be like yeah this is dumb you would you would say that, but because Christianity is almost like a blindfold for some people and their anger and, and their desire to preserve their, you know, their faith or whatnot, I don't even know half it, the reasons. Happen. So, it, so this specifically came out because we were nominally a, a, a Judeo-Christian culture, um, and so, you know, the gay marriage thing in particular was was an effort to hold on to that and, and keep that going. And, and, and again, I don't have a problem with people wanting to hold firm and say, you know, 
homosexuality is wrong. But at some point, you've got to read the tea leaves and say that the culture is changing around you. And and if the state decides to sanction it, what does that have to do with the church still saying, well, we still marry people, we still marry people, and we're in the business of doing religious weddings, you know. So, and I also point out, the same time the church was making a big deal about big deal about homosexuality and gay marriage. The divorce rate in the church was no better than the than the non-church part of the country. So we can sit here and, and quote scripture and about one man, one woman, but let's also focus on those scriptures that talk about even Jesus talking about divorce and how to handle, you know, so... Yeah, Jesus actually talked about those ones explicitly. Yeah, I'm married to it. I I've only been married once. My wife's been di- divorced twice. I'm a I am a sinner for marrying a divorced woman. If we're gonna get really literal about like, that, we're gonna get literal. Yeah. So, so, and you know what? I resign myself. That's what the faith. Maybe that's what when if that's what it says that that's what it means. But we live in a broken world, and so I'm not gonna go running around you know, casting stones, calling a bunch of people names because they look at the world differently than I do. And I just, it it doesn't need to be, it doesn't need to be the central issue that we're talking about. There are other things that, that make us look more gracious and loving than those topics. 100%. But they've gotten hijacked. They have. Yeah, I think... The, the political spectrum has... The, you know, standing out in front of a, 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 abortion a an abortion clinic and telling telling ladies, some might be perfectly fine with it, but some are going through a really tough time with the decision they're making, and you're telling them they're going to go to hell. Yes. And you should be standing outside and offering whatever help you can give them. And if they're not interested, or they spit at you because they don't like you, that's fine. But you are not there to be the judge and the jury, to be basically a Pharisee because of what they've because of the, the, the what they've just done. And again, it doesn't matter anyway. So that's topic number one. Topic number two, the Catholic priest scandal, I think is a huge uh, you're smiling. I think I think that is an unspoken earthquake that happened not only in this country but everywhere around the world that really unmoored a lot of people from religion see i smiled because i just was not ready for it obviously. <laughs> that's why i smiled i was like oh I, my gosh all right that's I, where we're going i right. think right. that really soured a lot of people and they have people. every right to be because and i i'm right now i'm picking on the catholic church it's all starting to bubble up in the Protestant church. There's all kinds of stuff coming out in the Protestant church now as well. So Protestants don't sit there and, and, you know, ah, ha, ha, you know, you Catholics, it is, it is a church wide problem, but it started with the Catholic church hiding all these priests doing things. To, and it, I think it slowly led to a decline, particularly within the Catholic church. And when it, when it all came out, Again, it's not. It's something we don't discuss. One of the reasons why we don't discuss it is when the story broke. The story broke around nine eleven, so the country was distracted. If there hadn't been a nine eleven, 
and that story had broken, I think it would be seen as the seminal moment that it actually is. Yeah, I think that that was a huge moment. I mean, in, you know, 2001, 2002, when that was going on, uh, I was, what, six, seven years old. So that was, it wasn't as traumatic for sure, but you can still see the lingering effects to this day where now there's this huge mistrust um, that kind of goes on even for people that are part. And, and this is where it's, you know, you just talked about it right now, where it's like the Protestant church is not guiltless of this. No. If you want to, if you are a part of a church that is taking themselves seriously, you now have to get background checks to be volunteers if you were to work with children's or youth ministries. Um, you know, there there's situations where youth pastors have had relationships with some of their students um, that kind of stuff. And so people are like, I don't feel safe. Like this was a place that was supposed to be safe. This was a spot that I wanted to send my children. Right. The reason why the Catholics were having, these were schools that boys were being sent off to like this, this was supposed to be a safe space. And now it's become this gross. Well, even just altar boys at, at the church. Disgusting. I mean, well, but yeah. even then they spend, they spend time learning yeah. and doing all that kind of stuff. And so it's like, you're having this situation occur and it's gross it's disgusting and so now this trust is completely broken with the church um because now, like and especially when it comes to children and like when we look as an english teacher when we look with students and we talk about what are emotional appeals if you want to get emotional investment immediately from an audience you always bring up children right or you bring up puppies or kittens or whatever and so for this to happen in real life to children it's traumatic for a lot of absolutely the it's like no way that this is actually happening happening um and even then like i don't even want to say like the details out loud like but it's like right for serious like it, it, for this to have occurred is just gross grotesque and i don't think even then like what you said like i don't think it gets enough i think that the response is still there but i don't think it's as big as it should have been like, this is disgusting. Like, people should be disgusted. And again, Catholics are not the only ones to blame for this. No, 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 no. And I, uh, my other problem with, with that situation and the stuff that's now coming out in the Protestant church is it's also just a profound lost opportunity for the church to not only show that it takes care of its own, but it also takes out its own trash. I'd say take out its own trash because it's a it's the cleverest way to say that but at the same time use church resources to go around to put themselves around the perpetrators right even even when the law's been broken but put yourselves around them and still seek reconciliation to show the un the the unbelieving world that this is what we truly believe in this. We're going to send this priest or this pastor or whoever to, to jail, but we're still going to love on them because everyone is still Absolutely. reconcilable. Absolutely. And that was a totally lost opportunity to, to demonstrate that. Absolutely. All we did was, and I'm going to say we, cause I do believe oh, I, I, I'm not a Catholic versus Protestant church person. I've never been. It's, it's, it's a stu it's stupid. If you're Catholic and you say you're Catholic, you're a Christian, vice versa. We're all, we got differences over. Anyway, it was a huge 
and continues to be a huge miss by the church. It's no, it's depressing. I mean, like it's it's something where it's you can't come back from mistakes. You're not allowed to. You have to be perfect, um, especially when you're caught in the public eye. There's and you make mistakes, but it's like this is where you get into different situations where it's like, are people allowed to come back from this? You know, we talked about Judas two weeks ago. Is Judas able to come back? You know, are we able to still love that person even though they turned over the one and only savior of humanity to, you know, the Romans or whatever? Are we still able to love and allow for this person to come back? You know, so, uh, yeah, I... I There's a... At our former church... A personal moment actually happened to this topic. Someone in our town, I won't even mention their gender, but someone in our town had been caught uh, messing around with teenagers and was going to jail. Had I think it already been convicted at this point or was in the middle of the trial, but it was a foregone conclusion. This person was going to go to go to prison. And this person went to our church, and I remember first first instance was holy smoke, so so and so's there, here, and my second, and then immediately, <laughs> like my humanity kicked in, and I realized that person was just mortified that they were a church, and just could to what you how you kind of started this whole thing off, just knew. A million daggers were being thrown their way. And look, if you're a parent who has a child who is around the age that this person was engaged in, I get it. Walk away. You don't need to engage with them. But for people, there's always someone else within the church who can go out of their way to say, hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about it. No. But I want you to know that you're still loved. So... My wife and I did because, and this was someone we knew right. from uh, youth sports. Our kid played with with their kids. Right. So it was somebody we didn't know well, but it was just, I'm going to be the person who goes up and says, I'm not going to be the jackass who's in, in the one place where there should be some level of forgiveness. I don't know. I mean, it's not, they didn't harm my child, so I... It's not for me to forgive, but you know what I'm saying? Just right. to, to reach out and say, hey, there's some safe space here. This is the one place in town you and I have to go to and feel a million daggers. Right. So. And again, it's not making what they did. No. Right. It's not sitting there and saying that what you did was okay. That's not what's happening. It's still saying like, hey, you messed up. But know that there are still people out here that still want what's they still want good things for you from this point on. Right. Absolutely. It's not that we don't think that you don't deserve justice. It doesn't mean that we don't think that you need, you know, X, Y, or Z. It's still saying that, hey, you're going to go to jail. And I'm sorry that 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 is happening to you what what is the most profound public instance of any a group of christians as as it's a 
a ridiculous question. You're not, you know, it's almost rhetorical. The, uh, the most profound moment of any group of Christians in the last 10 years, I don't remember exactly when it happened, it's been within the last 10, 15 years, was when the group, those group of Amish who had been shot up by a guy stood up and said, we forgive you. And everyone was like, what? That's crazy. That's biblical. They didn't say, didn't, shouldn't go to jail, right. shouldn't, yeah. but we forgive you. We forgive you. We forgive you. We want, we still want justice, but we won't. And forgiveness is not easy. Like, I'm not going to sit here and say that, like, you know, if you're, if someone that you love died, Right, like, or, or was shot and killed, or or somebody that you knew had, you know, your son was one of these people in the Catholic Church or something. Like, again, what you were talking about, where it's like you you got to walk away. You walk away, you, but someone you, else. That's, that's not your place. That right, you have to go through, and and if but you allow... are never able to get to that point where you're able to forgive, nobody's going to blame you. For no, that. there there's a lot of stuff that you have, but there are people in the church that still need to sit there and say, hey, just because they messed up. We don't need to sit there and continue to slander their name and drag them through the streets. Right. We need to continue to love on this person and say, hey, you messed up. But know that there's someone, not necessarily in your corner, but somebody that wants what's best for you moving forward. Right. From this point. And, and that's important. I think that that's something that we miss a lot of the time is that people are willing to just – write people off and like as soon as you find out a sex scandal about somebody the the person just goes straight through you know like nothing it, it, we just write them completely off oh. i mean i quote kendrick lamar like when shit hits the fan are you still a fan yeah like um weird you've i i don't think i've said it on here yet but you've heard probably heard i think i've said it to you and our group of friends we are in an age of neo-puritanism it we're just i mean america's always been puritanical Right. To a large degree, we 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 go through these periods, uh, um, and some of them are good. We're, uh, the anti-slavery movement was a, a bit puritanical, but you know when we get to uh, prohibition, anyway, we're in a neo-puritan. It's just this one's not religious, right? It's secular, but we're in a secular, and yeah, any time someone does something, God forbid, some fourteen-year-old quotes. Uh, uh, <laughs> rap lyrics with the n-word in it and that's it they're done their baseball career is over 10 years later because it's still sitting on twitter right well and i think actually a good story for this would actually be and kind of just a situation about the church and kind of how we respond to some of these situations that's not in the best way i think would honestly be that uh the story of um when you guys were trying to find a pastor for uh our church that you were on the board for oh yeah all right so yeah well, i'll tell this story and this will get us this is a good segue into the micro uh more the micro behaviors of christians that turn people off and so we were in the middle of search for a pastor we thought we'd found one that fell through and so we had another guy come in uh consultant to help lead us find a uh, new pastor and at the time our church was very much saying it was committed to finding the unchurched because we're actually shocked to find out that a good a good 60 percent a little bit higher of people in our town were actually they had really no connection to church and a lot of them had never been to church we kind of just assumed that everyone in our areas it's all bible belt folks so 
we'd become committed to trying to find the unchurched as we called it. And so, um, our consultant went out and started looking for names and found this guy over on the East coast. And, um, he ran us through that he'd been the pastor of a fairly large church in a mid Atlantic state. And he cheated on his wife with someone in the church and, she didn't divorce him. They reconciled. He was removed. He he was he had he was forced to resign or fired from the church, but uh, his wife stuck with him. They did counseling for over a year, and at that point, um, some I don't know church people. I don't remember who they were, but folks within uh, the denomination or something basically said everything. You're reconciled. You're good to go. You're you're ready to go back into into the ministry and be a pastor. And so he was on our list. And so, or he was recommended to us. And uh, our consultant threw his name out, and pretty much it was me and one other guy. Everybody else said no. We said yes, and our consultant looked us all quote unquote straight. He was completely straight and honest with us. He said, if you're not going to hire this guy, then don't tell me you're actually looking to be a church for the unchurched. Right. Right. Because that is a guy who, I, nine times out of 10, I can get 90% chance he grew up in the church, spent his whole life in the church, lifelong Christian, messes up, and... <laughs> I mean, it's it's obviously best to have a, a pastor who lives out his faith and is you know as perfect an example as as he can be for his parishioners. But there's some there's a lot of wisdom that can come from a pastor who can sit down with a group with a couple who's coming to church and saying, "I've never been in church. I don't know anything about church." But we're both here because we're like a week away from getting divorced, and this is like we're we're now pulling the panic button. And if this doesn't work, we're out of here. Now, a pastor who's had a really great marriage and four kids, I you know he can offer a lot of really good wisdom and try to counsel them through or send them off to somebody who can. But somebody who's lived through it and say and can say. Oh, guess what? That happened to me. What? Yeah, it happened to me, and this is what happened. And our marriage is way better. There's something to be said about that. So, I uh, we can get. Let's start. To, let's. So I said that's a, we're going to transition to the micro, and I and I'll just start by we're, we're going to talk about some things. My big thing, well, we'll probably talk about it a lot more on further podcasts. My thing right now is, again, we're not marketing the church to be more marketable, but I think the church can sometimes adapt within the gospel to make itself it can it can use some of its resources to make itself more relevant to the culture. And right now, we live in a very unforgiving culture. Right. 
And I think the church needs to be speaking a lot of more about grace and mercy and dealing a lot less about rules and rulemaking. Because we got a lot of people out there, left, right, center, uh, non-believer, believer, whatever, trying to go around and telling everybody, these are the rules, and if you don't follow them, we're putting a scarlet letter on you, and you're never to be heard from. And the church needs to be standing up and saying, that is not what we believe. We believe in things. We do believe in things. And if you don't believe in these things, we're still going to engage with you, but you're not going to be necessarily one of us. Right. But we're always going to be there to, to use a totally Christian term, break bread with you and befriend you and have conversations with you. And you and I might turn into lifelong friends who always argued about that whole Jesus thing. But at some point, that guy's got to say, you know what? I know some Christians, and they're really good people. They're really forgiving. Yeah. So let's, so, I don't know, maybe we probably already dove into some of the, what are the things that we do as Christians to turn people off on a micro level, one-to-one? Yeah, so, I mean, I can give you a personal experience uh, that I've had. And actually, this is a uh, this is something that I don't allow to happen um, in my classroom um, because this is a personal situation uh, for me. And, um, and I don't know. I may isolate myself from uh, my audience. I hope not. I hope that those of you that listen to me, you sit there and you say you show You're so me. optimistic that people are actually listening. I just, I just <laughs> hope that anybody that listens to this just shows me grace um, and understands that I was a young, stupid kid and I say stupid things and and that's just kind of how it goes. Um, when I was uh, when I was 16, I took a speech class um, at my high school and um as part of the daily routine for the speech class, the teacher had us, um, and she had us read articles, and then we had to go and dis- and, and people could raise their hand and say, "Hey, this is what I read." Anybody else have any inputs on this? And people would get to debate the topic. I I use the word debate roughly. It just kind of was like, here, let's see what other people have to say. And so, um, she would go around the horn and just kind of just call on people and see what they would say. I have been in this class for probably about two months at this point. Um, and so, uh, one day we get on the topic of homosexuality. This is back in 2011. Um, so this is, before uh, gay rights are legal in California at this point, um, to get married. Uh, you do not have legal rights to be married as a homosexual couple in the state of California at that point. And so it was still a really hot topic for debate. And I was uh, an avid churchgoer. I was still going. Um, I was a pretty hardcore Calvinist um, at that point. Um, I was very... Um, rigid, very cut and dry about what my religion looked like and kind of um, uh, very much us versus them kind of stuff. And so uh, we get on the subject. Somebody talks about some article that they were reading and and so people go around the horn and we go around the horn for a while. Um, just they keep calling on people. And I am the second to last person to go. 
People have been bringing up religion the entire time. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to say it. And so I went through <laughs> and I started talking and I was like, and I, and I just laid out what were the facts to me at that time. And, and there may be even those of you that listen to this and you're like, those are the facts. The reason why I have a problem with it is that I don't think that they needed to be said. So I sat there and I, I looked at it all and I said, you know, um, if you're a homosexual, uh, you're aligned with the sinful nature um, that is in accordance with the Bible. And so therefore, if you continue to live in that situation or you continue to choose to be actively a part of that lifestyle, then you are committing to sin. You are turning away from God. And so therefore, you go to hell. So those exact words. Again, I was the second last person to speak <laughs> because the teacher then called on somebody in the class who I did not know at the time was a homosexual. And so, David, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry for what I said. But it was so sad because it was like, it, it didn't need to be said. Like the, it, That never needed to come out of my mouth. And, and this is why in my classroom now, like I, I have strict debate policies. Like I never allow for a kid to get anywhere near that to be able to say that out loud. And, and the reason why it's such a problem for me is because I said something that was completely unloving. Right. I, I went through this formulaic thing. I said something about this, like about you... the, the population in general. Right. And I said exactly something that was it. it you were a Christian sounding like a Pharisee. Exactly. I, I cast judgment. Like, that was my thing. I was like, this leads to this, and this leads to this, so therefore, that's what it is. Like, and, and again, I don't want to sit here and say that it's that we're trying to be more marketable by saying that you shouldn't say that as a Christian or something like that. But that, that's, that's a, that's a uh, <laughs> fifth date, so to speak, topic. That is not... A lead-in topic. That is not um, right. You, you okay? You were a kid. I'm sure. I'm gonna put. I'm gonna put uh, thoughts in your head. I'm. I, I'm. I picture you as a teenage kid, and you're like. You were you thinking about going into the ministry at this point? Oh, I was, okay. Yeah. So you're. So this is you planting your flag, saying I'm gonna stand up for my faith. Right. Yeah, and that's that's what gets us into trouble. We lead in with the others doing other things. And so automatically you're excluding others from something that's supposed to be at some point inclusive. Inclusive. Absolutely. Like that is your woman at the well moment and you're leading all with, whoa, you're a whore. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I, you're a whore and you're, you're going to, you're going to hell. No, I was like. It, that is the Jesus the woman at the well situation where it's like, I, I don't need to point out the elephant in the room. Right. I mean, like Jesus did, right? Like, you're right when you say that you have only had, you know, that he is not your first husband or whatever. Uh, and, but I'm not, I'm also not Jesus. You right. know, like, this is also, I'm not, there was no way in, in this world that I should have said what I said. And I should have only shown love towards that community. Um, and just been like, hey, like, we may not agree. Um, and I know that my religion has made you feel like an outlier for your entire life. Because, And that's what the guy went on to say. 
he talked about how he was raised in the church. And honestly, what we were talking about, the discussion, so I said homosexuality, but really the discussion was about whether or not you are born a homosexual or whether you choose homosexuality. Right. And that was, and my stance was that you choose it. And David, the guy, was, was, he was like, I've never felt like I've had a choice. I've never felt like I've had a choice. And he's like, I went to church. I went through all of the guilt of that process, through that process. And I have never felt like I had a choice. And to which from that point on, what was crazy was we had paired up on like the first week. And I mean, like, I never knew. I never knew. We had paired up on the first week and we had to do like a get to know you activity. And not, but he never brought up that, that he was interested in men. And so we did this activity. And, and why would he? Because you didn't lead in that you were interested in women. So. No, I never did. <laughs> right? Exactly. So, I mean, like, that's fair. Like, yeah. it wasn't one of the questions on right, the sheet right, that right, we had right. to, like, answer or whatever. And so, but we had a, not, like, a good relationship, but, like, we, like, talked to each other and that kind of stuff. After that day, two months into the class, we still got, you know, eight months left in the semester. Or eight, eight months left in the year. We never talked ever again. So did you fe immediately feel like a heel or did that was something that came a couple years later? Immediately foot in mouth. Okay. I felt like a complete asshole, like 100%. And, but here's the thing is that I think that a lot of Christians do feel that way is that it's like, uh, we don't care about it. Well, and it, it was something. Feel which way? The regret or we're like, I don't care. Or the indifference that I just defended somebody because they needed to hear it because God wants them to know that. They're a sinner. Oh, man, I don't know. Honestly, maybe maybe people do feel a lot more indifferent than like I would think. You know, like I immediately felt like garbage, and and I never apologized well, because there's too much of a. Coward. Let's just stipulate you and I aren't smart enough. No one is. We're not going to put a percentage on the number of Christians. It it just there's clearly a group of both. Uh, hopefully, the there's a bigger group out there that feels like a heel after they put foot in mouth, but. Um, so okay, so you did. I, and I don't. Did you try to reconcile with them? No, I never did. I was too much of a coward. Uh, that's the hard part. It's a problem, right? Like I, I sat there and I was like, I was like, mm, you know, I, I felt bad, but I didn't go do anything about it. Like I was like, I'm gonna chalk that a little bit up to adolescence. Ah, thanks. I appreciate it. But I'm, I, uh, That's yeah, I, don't know. I mean, no, I think, I think that we well, have, maybe it's just your, your, your faith has gotten stronger and maybe that's part of it. It's just now it's like, why would I care if I have to go apologize to the guy? I was an ass. So I'm going to go admit I'm an ass. Yeah. But I mean, like, again, I would kind of lean into your adolescence accusation where it's like, at, and at, when you're in adolescence, you're like, you're no, no, I'm saying, that's what oh, I'm saying. Right, like right. you get older and your reputation doesn't actually your like, reputation matter doesn't matter. But I would also say your faith is actually more mature because <laughs> I'm sorry for you, those of you listening. When you're leaning into you're a homosexual or you're a whore or you're a baby murderer, you're not. You are not a mature Christian. You're just not. You're not. You're not. I don't care if you've read your Bible 50 times and you can read in Greek. You are not a mature Christian. Right. No, you're not. You don't have – if you lean in and you sit there and you, and you cast judgment on people, 
It's not. There's scripture about that, right? Like there's the, before you go and take the speck out of somebody else's eye, remove the two by four out of yours, <laughs> you know? Like that's the the situation that a lot of people don't don't really sit there. And I mean like, oh my goodness, the one that I hate the most. You didn't, We're going to talk about it right now. Part of that comes with lived experience too. So you also, which makes you a mature Christian of, you start adding, rattling off the number of times you yourself were a sinner and you start, I think that's why so many older people, it was funny old, well, there's some old people and they get the more, they get even more recalcitrant in their faith and you know, like, and then they're the most loving people. My dad was one of them. The older you get, you just start like grace, grace, grace. Grace, grace, grace. Because you start looking at all the dumb things you did, even if you've been in the church. And my dad had been through in the church, and his his dad had been a pastor, and you know, been to school, uh, seminary, and taught it in Greek and all that. And when a couple years, the years before he died, when he, he and I would talk, he'd just say, "You know what? I just read Paul, and all I know, the only thing I know about the gospel is grace. That's it. That's all I know." Well, and I think that, yeah, I think, I think continually what Christians need to do is they need to come from perspective of grace, is that there is, there are people that have, and, and, and honestly, like, it comes from also a situation when I was in high school where I sat there and I thought that I knew everything. You know, and, and when you're in high school, like people tell you that you think you know everything and you're like, no, I don't. I know I don't know everything. But when knowing everything, like when people say that, it's it's such a weird statement because like as a high schooler, you sit there and you're like, no, there's a lot of stuff that I know that I don't know. Like, I don't know how to speak Spanish. I don't know how to speak German. You know, like I know that I don't <laughs> right. know everything, right? But then... As you get older, you sit there and you look back on your previous self and you sit there and you say, ah, that's where I thought that I knew everything. It was from the standpoint of the logic that went through my head was my logic made sense. It was, and I was determined on the standpoint of I thought that that was definitive. Like if you do, you know, Two plus two equals four. And that was the logic that I was using in that situation. And that's, but is that what needs to be done? Is that what needs to be said? Is that what's the best? No, never. Right. It should have been grace. That should have been the the standpoint where I should have gotten up in front of the class and I should have said, it doesn't matter, you know, whether or not you choose to be gay or whether or not you have, or you're born with it. That doesn't matter. Just know that whenever you come into my church or you come anywhere in contact with me, know that I'm still going to love on you no matter what because you are a brother or sister in Christ. Um, Jesus died on the cross for your sins as much as he died on the cross for mine. And God knows I got a lot. So it's like it's not uh, – It's it, and that would have been a great moment. But instead that's what I used it for and to which if – that student would have ever walked into my church and he, or if he ever figured out that I went to a specific church, I think that that guy would have tucked tail and ran and sure. would have been anywhere near sure. the church that I went to. Um, because I obviously came from a place where 
we believe that he was going to hell. So, kind of a bummer. I think that. I think that's a perfect example because it kind of ties the micro to the macro because I think you did what the church was doing, which was trying to plant poles to tell itself that we are not going to be unwavered by this culture that's changing around us. So we're going to prove to ourselves that we're Christians by digging in our heels about gay marriage when the question should have been, okay, we think biblically that it's a sin, but is this really what we're going to, is this where the whole, the, the hill, the mountain we're going to plant our flag on right. to define Christianity for the good part of a decade? Shouldn't be. <laughs> I mean, you grew up in that milieu, so it's, it's not surprising that that's why you stood up because that's kind of what was going on when you were 16 was that was the fight that the church felt it had to fight in order to prove that Christianity's not going away. Really? It was a terrible fight. I don't even understand why we fought that fight. <laughs> Again, it, but that's going back to, as now, reflecting back on it from the standpoint of what we talked about at the beginning, where it's like Christians need to create, as much as we sit there and we say that it's of the devil, and, and it's not of the devil, and I, I, know, I don't think a lot of people are saying that, but as much as people say that the separation of church and state is a is a huge problem for our country or whatever understand that it's that it's actually beneficial for christians absolutely you need to sit there and acknowledge the fact that it's like this it won't work like you can't sit there and 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 tell people what to do with their lives people have to willingly go out and seek God. When Christianity and the government become intertwined, it becomes a religion. And Christianity is supposed to be, and if you're not a Christian, this is going to sound arrogant, but Christianity is supposed to be the one quote-unquote religion that's not a religion. But you, but you, undefiled as it's right. Outlined in but when, as soon as you mix it with government and the government is imposing all the rules that you think are important to maintaining the faith, you've turned it into religion. 100%. And you're sending to people, because everyone who's listening to this should know this, but apparently no one in America on, on the right or the left understand this. When the government makes laws and people break them, they go to jail or get fined. So you're punishing people for breaking rules that you've set out. Right. There are certainly, and there's people who are, oh, you know, well, what about murder? Okay, let's not be morons about this. Well, but there's something to be said. Again, about the fact that, about how the Christian, and this is something that we talked about before, and I'm pretty sure we did, is that you cannot not acknowledge that our entire law system is based on a Christian ethical model. Okay, that's true. That's that's a good point. And I, and I would argue, I would argue, Americans I have. would argue that our, I would argue that the Western, in, in, uh, the the Western elevation of women and a lot of people who aren't Christians are going to hate this. They're going to say, no, no, this isn't true, but it is true. Elevation of women to a, a more equal status is a Christian thing. Jesus was the one who reached out to women right? way more. That was not a cultural thing at the time in any culture, West, quote unquote, Western culture. Read the book of Luke. In, 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 
in the near in the Middle East, Near East. That was not a thing. Nor was children. One of the most profound moments in the Bible is when the when the disciples scold Jesus for letting the children run around, and he says, "No. Let me be with the children, because children were." property and they remained property unfortunately even through christendom for a long time but jesus was the one i'm sorry to the to to the sam neil followers out there jesus was the one who first laid down children are not property they are to be they are to be cherished right and so yeah there are certain things that we believe in that we codify for sure but we've got to figure out we've got to do a better job of of not codifying the things that we that look part of this is hard i i understand the society changed dramatically from the mid 50s not it didn't start in 60s folks it started in the mid 50s from the mid 50s culture changed dramatically and a lot of that was from mass communication we had radio was fully mature then the television happened mass press transportation uh the automobile the reason why we had a sexual revolution was because of the automobile. It wasn't for any other reason. It's because kids could now start leave leave the house and get freaky in the back of their parents' Buick. So been watching too much we had a massive cultural change that we've been enduring for the last 50, 60, 70 years. And that's hard for people to deal with. And I think part of the Christians, when this is all done, will actually probably the podcast to do is not be so hard on ourselves because we were going through a hard time of the culture changing, but folks, it's now time. It's again, we're 70 years in. It's now time to realize the culture isn't yours. You're the minority. Stop acting like acting like the majority. And instead of trying to hold on to the rules and be rule makers, let's shift to be gracious, merciful people. And that being said, we do live in the United States of America where you have lots of beer. You have lots of beer, but you also have the freedom to vote on issues that you think are correct or that you think are just X, Y, Z, whatever. For whatever reason, you think that this is how you should vote. And you're allowed to, 100%. And I would not discourage you from doing that. If you are sitting there and you sit there and you say, I don't think that that if you sit there and you say homosexuality is not what's right, or you sit there and you say that abortion is not what's right, or you sit there and say that this is not what's right, and whatever, and you went to the polls in 2008, or you went to the polls in 2012, and you voted for those things. I did. I don't think that that's something you should feel. No, I mean, it was on the ballot. It was on the ballot. It's up to you. It's your votes. And you, if you want this. Yeah, it's a good point. We're not, we're not arguing that you've just got to surrender all your beliefs and be like, ah, whatever. Okay. So I, I believe homosexuality is a sin, but I'm going to turn into a social libertarian and just all of a sudden, you know, decide that it, it should be legalized. But once it's been legalized. Or when you're arguing for why it shouldn't be legalized, just do it in a more gracious way than what I think came out a lot of times. And I think part of the problem that you and I are struggling with 
and I think that's the problem with Christians and, and the world in general is most of our interaction with Christians on these things are public things. And people always say things that are really, well, you said it. Actually, you said it to somebody's face. So this is countering what I'm going to say. People always, it's a lot easier to say hurtful, mean things when you're not sitting in the room with somebody. But that was the thing. Is I that know. I said a hurtful, mean thing, and I didn't think that anybody was in the room. I know. That I guess awesome. I'm just I, I'm 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 stipulating that because some people will be like, "Look, I've I think it's I don't know what you guys are talking about. I don't go to a church that feels this way." So maybe there's some of you who haven't done this, but um, and and I guess what I'm so you've given the personal example. And what I'm saying is, I think a lot of reason why people were turned off is because a lot of folks stood up on television or on the internet or whatever and said a bunch of stuff because they're not actually looking a homosexual in the face and saying, you're a fag, you're going to hell. Right. You're going to going to hell with the shrimp eaters. <laughs> well, and I mean, like, but also, and here's something that's also really sad about that whole situation is that I lost no... Like, we talk about preserving your reputation or whatever. Like, I didn't lose any credit. I said something that was completely awful. <laughs> like, right. everybody was like, yeah, Colton, we agree. You know, like, there was, right. like, maybe, like, two or three people in the classroom might have sided with this other student. But everybody else was like, oh, Colton said what we were thinking. So, you know, and it was like, but that's, that isn't how it should have been. Yeah, and right. if I would have said that nowadays, like we're now 10 years removed. Oh. From so 2000. Warp speed. Or we're like what you 12 been, 14 years? Yeah. I would have been canceled. Oh, hell yeah. I would have been kicked out the water polo they team. Would have, uh, would have just, uh, they would have run you out on a pole, tarred and feathered you. 100%. And and honestly, I, at points like I sit there and I say like I would have deserved that. And but that's also as where like I said as a teacher now I've learned from that mistake that my teacher made because I think our teacher allowed for this to get out of hand in this situation and allowed for me because I was not – one, this was not the first time that I had spoke. The time right. that I had spoken before wasn't really I, – like I didn't really talk about that much. Um, but people ha – it escalated. Like I was like people are dancing around the bush. Like I was like I'm, I'll do it. Like I was like I'll go for it. And so that's what happened. And so now I sit there in an English classroom and I have debates in my class and I sit there and I say, guys, this is what we're going to have discussions about. Um, you are not allowed to be just disrespectful at all to any of your classmates. You, you cannot. And like as soon as things get out of like they've never even gotten out of hand because it's like I know what that looks like. And so we can grow and develop and be better. And I just wish that people today and especially after revealing this on a podcast and putting it out <laughs> on the internet is that I would like to be seen with grace. I don't want to like eventually like try to get hired on with like, you know, Disney or something. And then all of a sudden they're like, Oh, you can't join. Yeah. <sighs> Cause Disney's never been homophobic or racist before in their life. No, oh, no, no. Song of the South. Uh, if anybody ever wants to watch that movie. Walt Disney himself. Um, <laughs> Anti-Semite. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> anywho. Um, Disney's going to come after us for that one. <laughs> um, We're screwed! I can't believe that Splash Mountain was as, was still Song of the South for as long as it was, honestly, after. 
Boy, we're, we're, really, we're an hour in, and now we're going off topic. But I got to <laughs> say, sorry, it. The sorry, Song sorry. of the South, it might be a racist movie, but it's still, the music's wonderful. Oh, right. Zippity doodah. Zippity doodah. Dude, how could you? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> sorry, keep going. So, real quick, what are some of the other valid or invalid criticisms of Christians that turn people off, you think? Or do you have any other? No, I mean, what what do you got? What do you have? I mean, I gave my personal statement. What do you got? Do you have any personal? Um, well, this one's a little this one's a little difficult because I think it is both true and 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 also not fair. I think a lot of people who show up to church feel like an outcast. Right. Um, and. I remember at the church we were at before, it seemed very, uh, it had a lot of clicks. And that was the big criticism. And for a while, that was my gripe, even though I was heavily involved. And I, since my wife and I weren't in either click, we weren't in the desert rat click that went out and rode motorcycles out in the desert. And we weren't in this other click that we were all kind of had friends in all these different cliques. And then I read uh, Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis talks about this and says, guess what? People are in cliques. What are cliques? They're a group of people who have similar, similar interests. Yep. And his interests were men who like to sit around and smoke cigars. Whoop, whoop. And drink, I think, uh, probably brandy in a room and talk literature and history and philosophy and all the stuff that he and Tolkien and his group of, I don't remember the name of the group, talked about. And he said, yeah, we're a clique. I love that group. And then there's the, yeah, I think he mentioned the knitting group, or there was some ladies group that he mentioned. So we're going to be in groups, allow people to be in groups. And since churches don't generally, that I'm aware of, drink, we don't have mixers after, ch after church where people can get to know each other. Golly, that'd be great. Well, that is a problem with modern church. Church used to be more of an all-day thing. Now it is two hours in, two hours out, because I had to go home to watch football or nascar in the summer or i got shopping to do take my kids to baseball practice and so there is none of that you know i think it's in and out and the new people are like okay so i'm just supposed to show up and sing some strange music and listen to a guy drone on for 20 minutes 45 minutes 45 minutes down there 20 well at our church is a 20 minute ted talk oh my goodness it's awesome, but uh, Forrest definitely goes on for like 35, 40 minutes. Well, but it's a 30 minute Ted talk. So it's, oh, it's cooler. Oh, gotcha, uh, gotcha. So I don't know. I don't know. That one seems like it's both valid and, and, and unvalid. If you're, look, if you're going to church, oh, here's my thing. If, if, if it's been a long time since you've been to church, you've never been to church. You know, nothing about church. You know, nothing about Jesus. Look, your average church in America, you're going to show up, people are middle class to upper middle class. It depends on what kind of church you're going to. If you're going to a Pentecostal church, my Pentecostal brothers, y'all know how to keep it real and low key. But you go to your average mainline evangelical church, it is middle, upper middle class. These are people who seem to have be with it. 
Which is funny because we go to an Anabaptist church and Anabaptism is like pretty much like against like having money. So like that is it is an irony of ironies. <laughs> uh, and we are not a lower class church. We are like a middle right middle class. So <laughs> you show up at church, people are going to look and sound like they're with it. And maybe a lot of them are. But don't hold that against them. Because I guarantee you this, if you showed up to church and you got introduced to a stranger and you said, how are you doing? And they looked at you and said, eh, I'm not doing really good. My daughter's failing out of college. You'd be like, what, dude? We just met. Like, what? That's true. Or even if you knew this person, sitting out, standing out in front of the church is not the time to be real. Those moments... If you go to church, you've never been involved in church, and they stand up there and they tell you, you need to get in a small group, you need to agree. That's what those are for. A lot of time, most of them around reading the Bible, yeah, and all that. But it's also, after reading the Bible, you start to learn people, meet people. And this couple is going through struggles, and they're going to talk about it. This guy's losing his job. This group, uh, fam- the kid's sick. This one, the they're a grown... They're an elderly woman, and their kid's a deadbeat. And you start finding out, oh, there's all these people. They got problems, too. And now I got a place where I can share my problems. Right. People are not going to be open with you at church. Not big church. Not big Sunday church. No. Sunday church is a production. 100%. And that's that's not to diminish it. You should still go to church. There's something to be said to get up every Sunday Go to church. Well, every two. Lately, it's been every other Sunday for me, but summertime is a little hard. But commit yourself to go to church. Go to church where the other people are. Yes, you do not learn your Bible from your pastor for a 20 minute, 30 minute, 40 minute, or John MacArthur hour and a half Bible no, lesson. That's not where you're there. It's on your own. But you do get recharged. You do get a little commi- uh, convicted if it's pretty good. You might walk out and say, that guy's full of shit, but you go there to be with other Christians. Right. But here's also something that I think was important in what what you were saying just a little bit before that. Uh, All of that was important. But I'm saying that something that's worth noting is that, and especially as we look at Christians being unloving, For all Christians that show up on a Sunday morning, at the end of the day, we're all people. We're all people. And we're still broken. We're all broken. Exactly. We show up to church looking for answers. We're looking for something. We're looking to be a part of something. We are trying to to live out our faith. And so this statement is not necessarily for those. And what we've talked about a lot tonight is about those people involved in the church and how we need to respond and that kind of stuff. But actually what I'm talking about right now and who I'm talking to right now is for those of you that may have tuned into this podcast and and you're sitting there and you're like, yeah, take it to the Christians and you know, those people (laughs) are part of the church. I want to talk to those of you that are outside of the church. I want you to look at those people and view them not necessarily these people that are in an elite status. And I know that a lot of times that they act 
or they make you feel like you are less than and that they put themselves on this pedestal and they feel like they are more elite. 100% that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But I want to ask that you continue to look at those people in this with grace and do not let that discourage you from being a part of the faith. Don't sit there and say that these people are rich, stuck-up assholes. Sit there and look at those people and say that they are broken people who need a savior. And then that allows you to ignore what they're doing, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully you can find people in the church that are similar to you. That's where, like like Tim said, get involved in a small group or something like that where you can sit there and talk about your problems and nobody's better than you there. You know, like this is... People are going through crappy situations, but you are able to sit there and realize that Christians are not perfect. There's, and that's something that needs to be said because Christians across the board feel like they have to hold themselves to this perfect status. And that is something that is unobtainable. Jesus Christ, as you said in the beginning, is the only Christian because Jesus Christ was actually able to live his perfect life. And we as Christians are called to live just like him, but yet we cannot do it. Right. We can't. It's impossible. We are not God. We don't have the strength in our bodies by ourselves to be able to resist temptation. And that's what we get every single day. Every time that you see a Christian, any time that you see... Somebody who gives in with the situation that we talked about before with the Catholic Church, where they say something stupid about homosexuality, where they tell somebody outside of a abortion clinic that they're going to hell. All of that are situations where they have messed up and they've fallen short of the glory of God. And to which we ask that you give us grace because we are still human and we are still trying to figure things out. We are trying to still live our lives according to what we are called to we just don't know it any better yeah we're not all knowing beings we're not perfect beings we're people that are going to mess up just like everybody else james talks about how blessed are those of you that are teachers because you are being put on that pedestal like what you talked about before where you have this this pastor in this situation in the south right you said in yeah. the south on the east coast who is trying to come back but because he was in the public eye and because that this situation happened he now no longer has a future at least over here with us and so understanding for those of you that are christians now i'm talking to you understand that there is always a microscope on you know that you're not perfect and that you have to do the best that you can you have an individual responsibility to do what jesus has called you and when you mess up you need to ask for forgiveness and try to do better next time. Always be focusing on, I messed up. The past is the past, but I need to do better next time. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, I, I, I let's sum it up this way. We might disagree. Let's sum it up this way. Again, we're the, the, 2,000, a little less than 2,000 years of Christendom are over. And during Christendom, 
I think the church got really good at, it got efficient at enforcing rules right. above all. And that is over. And that makes a lot of us uncomfortable. And I say this is a moment to embrace because to you non-believers out there, I'm sorry, there are rules out there. It is The world is not a free-for-all. There are certain things right. that not only that you aren't God and we do believe in a God and God has set some of those rules and some of those rules I still struggle with, I will admit. And, and so one, Christians need to be open and say, I struggle with this. Good. Wrapping up, circling back to what you said, I was very certain about homosexuality when I was your age, probably until about 10 years ago. I am very uncertain about it. I am not saying that I think it is not wrong, but I struggle with it now. Right. Part of that is because a lot more people ascribe to it. So it's really a lot harder to say, like, you're going to hell. Because a lot more people seem to be saying that they're open to it. And now we've got, what, five other letters of different versions of sexual identification to throw at us? I don't know. I don't know. So let's focus less on the rules. Let's focus more on grace. Let's focus more on mercy and trying to f build bridges and build con loving other people and less on rules first. Fix yourself first before you show up to church. That's not how it works. Right. So let's just be better. Christians, let's work on being better. I think we can be better. And for those of you who are not believers, give us a little bit of grace. Right. Christians, don't be sorry. Just be better. Just be better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that it? I think that's it, man. Hour and 20 minutes in. I think that's quite enough for everybody. Well, guys, uh, have a great rest of your... I don't know, week, I guess. Um, make sure to uh, uh, reach out to us if you guys have any questions, if you guys have any uh, negative comments uh, towards Tim and whatever he said tonight. Uh, yeah, whatever. Um, we just want to make sure that if you do have anything negative to say, we just want to let you know. Go to hell. People think it's the flames that make hell unbearable. It's not. It is the absence of love.